coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. We're the show where we're going to bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and franchise experts. Today is no different. We have a remarkable guest joining us. He is Jason Anderson, president of Vast Coworking Group. And they're a franchise brand within the platform company called United Franchise Group. And we're going to talk about that today. But we're going to dive into the world of Vast Coworking Group and uh, talk to Jason about his success story. And so without further ado, I want to bring Jason Anderson onto the show. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, Rob. How's it going? (laughs) It's great to have you. It's going well. So as I said to you earlier, just I love to always start with how you got to where you are. And I think it's kind of impressive. I know you probably don't like to talk about it a lot, but you've done some things before the age of 30. And I think that's awesome. And uh, but you've done, you know, you've done a lot with United Franchise Group over the years. And and now you're working with, you know, Vast Coworking Group. Tell me a little bit about how this journey unfolded for you and uh, let me give a little key to the success. Sure. So I guess going all the way back to the beginnings, born in upstate New York, youngest of 10 of a blended family, I moved to Atlanta and joined the service at 17 years old. So I was, you know, went active duty Air Force with 35 year plan, 20 years in the Air Force, was going to retire, get a second government job, retire again. But I happened to have been active duty on 9-11. So the planes hit the towers. So it went from Fun and games. I was stationed in England, so spending weekends in Paris and London to uh, deploying a few days after that. Ultimately, I got stationed back in the United States and decided that I was going to get out of the military and not do 20 years in the service. Started using my VA loan to buy and flip houses, uh, which if you're not familiar, the veterans program has VA mortgages, 100% financing. Started buying and flipping houses using VA loans. Ultimately, turned that into a real estate brokerage ultimately turned that into a franchise. That was my introduction to the world of franchising. And then I sold that. Uh, Like you mentioned, I was fortunate to win a few awards. I was on the cover of Realtor Magazine, 30 Under 30. And then the first edition of the Forbes 30 Under 30. And straight from there, I joined United Franchise Group through another one of our brands, Transworld Business Advisors, traveled, moved cross country, ultimately became the director of franchise development, Launched our consulting arm. One of the brands we franchised was VentureX. We then acquired that, became the president. And then we uh, presented the opportunity to acquire Office Evolution. And so we now have two brands. Uh, we've rebranded our group as Vast Coworking. And that's my uh, that's my life story in a nutshell there. I've been married 17 years, two two little kids, two little girls, three and a half and, and one and a half. So that's that's me in two or three minutes. There you go. That's, that's hard to do, but there was a lot, a lot packed in. I love the background when I speak to people from the military, and especially I love the Air Force. I, I'm in Colorado Springs, and right near the academy, I don't spend. I spend a lot of time on those grounds, just because there's you know mountain biking and 
and fun stuff to do sometimes. But but when I do meet people with that background, I always meet people similar to you. I really do. I feel like I meet the profile is very calm, very assured, very clear about a vision, right? Very organized. And, uh, and like I said, they're the kind of guys I'd love to have working for me. I just wish everybody could be that. But I've met some great guys from with that background. So I know that's probably helped getting that early too, getting that really early sure. in life. Um, so that's cool. So tell me about this rebranding. I know that, that you know, you've got two brands and, and now you know, it's vast. Tell me more about that strategy and what, what that looks like for you guys going forward. Sure. So going all the way back to when we first launched VentureX, we thought that we had a competitive advantage of really taking over the franchising side of flexible office space. And when we looked, you know, there was not really a lot of other companies that we could look look out to that have did franchising right inside of co-working. So if you think about it, if you launch a fast casual restaurant franchise, there is thousands of concepts that have sold tens of thousands of units that you could look at for best practices. In this industry, there was really no clear leader of the space. So we knew we were launching. Um, Office Evolution was there. So we came up with this idea of since there was no industry player that had really done franchising completely right, we thought, we looked back to the hospitality industry. And the company that I really looked at that I thought had the multi-brand um, the multi-brand aspect just done completely right was Marriott, right? So Marriott had Marriott Bonvoy. They incentivize you to do business with inside of their ecosystem. They acquired Starwood. They have over 30 concepts and brands. They're a publicly traded franchisor. Uh, they have a shared service pool. So I really dove in and studied the Marriott ecosystem. So we knew from day one that we wanted to become the Marriott Bonvoy of co-working, right? That instead of trying to have a one-size-fits-all brand, uh, we wanted to have multiple brands that you know really spoke to what the consumer want and the consumer segment that they wanted to be in. If you look at Marriott, you could stay at a Fairfield Inn, a Courtyard by Marriott, a Residence Inn, all the way up to the W to, you know, Ritz-Carlton types of brands and St. Regis inside of that ecosystem. So they give you a variety. And uh, so our plan was always to have multiple brands underneath one umbrella. But what we didn't have when we launched was a name, a placeholder for that. Right. Yeah. So we did some due diligence and some branding, spoke with some branding experts. And we looked at, you know, what do we want to be known as? And uh, we had we literally had an LLC name as CoWorks that was just a placeholder uh, mm -hmm. that we knew we were going to change eventually. But finally, a few months ago, you know, we did another round of you know kind of Q and A surveys, and the name Bass came about, and it really spoke uh, to what I thought we were trying to accomplish, which is join our vast network, right? So, um, and then we found out a it was available. We could get the domain name. Nobody else had it. So it just stuck, right? So we decided yeah. to launch Vast Coworking Group. So that way we now have a placeholder. We launched a new website, vastcoworking.com. Um, and we hopefully are going to continue to grow that. Wow. That's a very cool brand. I love that. I love that. I like that approach. I, I mean, I, I, I saw Vast and I thought that. And I wasn't sure if it had something to do with the word or something else, but very cool. Yeah. Um, so... All right. So, you know, just hearing that, it sounds like, you know, I was going to ask about what really sets this apart, right? So if I, I guess the first part of what sets it apart is it's a unique franchise model, right? Still would be considered a unique model that there's not a whole lot of options in. And you guys are the leaders, it seems. 
what like what were the so what I usually ask what makes your brand unique like what makes the model unique and in, in comparison so maybe just in comparison to what you typically find in, the, in out there in most major markets how do you guys set yourself apart to these other uh, these other options that are in the marketplace. Sure. Now, I'm guessing, like I said, there's there's two sides to that question. One side would be, you know, how do we set ourselves apart to franchise prospects, right? People that are looking to buy a franchise. And another side would be is how do we set ourselves apart for the consumers, the customers that are using the spaces? Um, yeah, a little both. If you yeah, you could take it from both angles, that would be good. Sure. So. One, like you mentioned, on the front side of how we differentiate ourselves to franchise prospects is you're, you hit it on the head. I mean, we are pretty much it when it comes to co-working franchise. So yeah. the, the tagline I used to use is United Franchise Group was the largest and most experienced franchisor that had got into co-working, meaning we were a franchising company, i.e. kind of platform, like you mentioned, that was acquiring a co-working company, right? So we were acquiring the knowledge and the know-how of the industry, but we had a full ecosystem in place for running a franchise. At the same time, I looked at who is the most experienced co-working company that got into franchising. So let me sim- let me summarize that. I knew we were the most experienced franchisor that got into co-working, and I looked at who was the most experienced co-working company that tried their hand at franchising. So VentureX was us. We were the most experienced franchisor. And then the most experienced co-working company was Office Evolution. So we combined both. So now we brought in the most experienced co-working operator in the space at our franchising experience. And there's just simply nobody that could really compete with that at any type of scale. And we give entrepreneurs you know, yeah. two options for, again, if you think about Courtyard by Marriott versus the Marriott, they're both franchise brands, but Office Evolution is 10,000 square feet average. VentureX is 22,000 square feet average. The build-out costs are different. They're sliding glass doors, electronic lock systems. We tend to go in mixed-use developments or Class A type of uh, office buildings where your Office Evolution is going to be more in your suburban markets, some of the Class B type office space. And it's not to say one's better or worse than the other one. They just, we look to serve two different markets, right? I mean, the same way the Residence Inn serves a different crowd than the JW Marriott or the W, right? I mean, you know, the the hotel, you know, the hotel brands, I think, figured out. They created the star rating system, right? So you kind of understand from a consumer level what you're getting into. And if you've ever talked to a hotel developer, they love the three stars. They love the four stars. They love the five stars. It depends on the market, right? I mean, yeah. you know, some of them will only do courtyards or fairfields. They want to be in that three star. Some will do the Marriott. You know, we want to have a convention center and a restaurant. Some only want St. Regis Ritz. It's different crowds, right? Different people yeah. like different things. Yeah, no. So it's it's one, like you said earlier, serving the consumer. And you kind of work backwards from what do consumers want? And and they want choices, and and they have different needs, and they live in different places. Uh, they have different companies or different, you know, whatever they're achieve, trying to do. And then on the franchise side, it you know, if you're looking at it, making an investment, yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious. There's, uh, you know, some people will have different aspirations or have to start at a different point, and it could be market driven, like you said earlier. It'd be better to have the smaller version or the bigger version, but it's also. It sounds like it also could be something where uh, you know a franchise prospective franchisee could grow into, you know maybe start with one and do multiple or or ver- different versions in, in their in their market. 
So my largest, fran- yeah, my largest franchisee owns eight office evolutions and four venture X's. So we we have already had that happen where people have purchased or acquired both brands and they kind of use one as a feeder to the other and you know different type of real estate in a marketplace. Um, from the consumer standpoint, you know there are actual foundational differences inside of the space. For example, most of the Venture X's have drywall on the sides and sliding glass door at the front, which makes a more kind of open, airy type of feel in the space. Now, you could frost your glass, but if you're a professional, let's say like a therapist, you may not ever consider a space that has any kind of glass front versus most of the office evolutions have you know drywall on all sides. So we get a lot of therapists that come into office evolutions that may not consider uh, VentureX. VentureX has two to three to sometimes 4,000 square feet of event space uh, that, you know, Office Evolution does not have that event space. Uh, again, yeah. so again, there's, you know, true differences. Same thing at a residence inn, you have a kitchen in your room and they cater to mostly families versus right. Courtyard by Marriott caters to business travelers, right? They have a Starbucks right. in the lobby and you can have a meeting there. So, yeah. you know, again, I think up until this point, a lot of co-working operators sold fluff. And I'm just not a fluff person. Maybe from my military days, right? <laughs> we wanted to have things that you know actually were different. So people knew and understood that, hey, this is different. But now mm-hmm. that we have the whole ecosystem, you can go to whichever one you want. If you become a member at Office Evolution, you could use the lobby and the places at VentureX. You get membership discounts. Same thing. Once you get a once you become a Marriott Bonvoy member, your points count at Courtyard by Marriott or the JW Marriott or the Gaylord, right? So they give you the options of whatever type of experience you want to have all within inside of one ecosystem. And that's what we're trying to build, right? That's smart. Not a one-size-fits-all solution, um, something that's different and unique, and people get the benefit of whatever they want to go to. You want Mm three-star, you want four-star, you want five-star, we have it. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you think of that, I think of Apple. I think of when you talk about building an ecosystem, right? That that was uh, Steve Jobs in his head. You know, that was like keep them in the in the in the keep expanding the choices and you know do new things and and uh, but obviously this is working, especially for those kinds of companies. We're very brilliant, and and I guess you know Marriott is a brilliant company to to model yourself after as well. But just a good thing. I that's what I saw when I looked at VentureX. Like, what, what do you think I might have been interested in? <laughs> the podcast rooms, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, every now and again, you might want to do something like that. I don't know what, you know, I may need something special or just want to meet someone at, at that type of a place. But I, I, yeah, some of our locations have full blown video production studios. Some of them have golf simulators, right? So that's, you know, that, you know, we have kind of the unique spin and the local entrepreneur, the franchisee, you know, they could add some of those things that they think may be a good fit for their specific market. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like I like when a franchisee has some flexibility to kind of look at their local market and say, what, what do we like here? I'm in Colorado, so clearly outdoors, sports, you know, you know, obviously the mountains. Um, but anyway, so that's very cool. So tell me a little bit about technology. Technology is something that's near and dear to me. And, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm I'm talking about this every episode because we have pretty advanced stuff happening in the world of technology. I've been doing it for since the late 90s and I, I would say it is the by far the most the most advanced I've seen it. Uh and it's going really quick now with with the artificial intelligence and and some things like that. But you don't have to necessarily get into that. I want your opinion on 
how you see that sort of playing out in, in your world, but more so just technology. Cause I know that no matter what, there's, there's a lot going behind the scenes. It's a, you know, when I go to a venture X, I just see it's beautiful. It's airy. It's, it's, it's hip. It's, you know, but there's a lot to make that work well. So tell me a little bit how you handle all the technology aspects. Um, and cause the franchisee obviously probably wonders what is it going to take to, to put this together? And, um, but tell me a little bit of how's that play in? How does tech play in? Sure. So I would definitely say from an overall tech standpoint, the flexible office space industry is still somewhat archaic, especially compared to, you know, the hotel industry or the fast casual industry that have these well-oiled machines with hundreds of thousands of clients and millions of members, you know, using the system to think, right, you could book in the Marriott app. You could get a digital room key on your phone. You could bypass the front desk now and you could actually open your room with your phone. Um, is you know that, that's pretty advanced tech, right? And I was an electrical engineer in the Air Force, so you know my first company I developed some software as well, and and that's still shocking levels of technology that you could rent a two hundred dollar a night room on an app through a process, and then boom, your key is right there, right there on your phone. Now I mentioned that because you know the hotel industry hyper developed into technology, you know, 20, 30 years ago, even down to people being able to book rooms per night on websites. You had aggregators like TripAdvisor, Bookings.com, and that's what really caused the boom in the hospitality industry. And hotels started popping up everywhere. They connect the dots with corporate travel people. My point with that is I think we're right now starting to get to, let's call it, you know, the third 3.0 or 4.0 for that for flexible office space. There's still not a great way to just buy an office online, right? There's still some human interaction or meeting in person. You can book conference rooms or day space usage. You can do all those things virtually right now. But I think the next iteration is going to be on demand, real time, buy an office space wherever you want it in America for a day, a week, a month, or a year. Um yeah. And the technology is starting to get there and, you know, the operators are, are working to keep up on the hardware side. Uh, we outsource mostly everything. Right. I mean, because getting enterprise grade Wi-Fi into a location in downtown Dallas is going to be different than Denver, than Colorado Springs. So we work with third party vendors that come in during the construction and set up all the hardware and the networking. Because if you're working out of flexible office space, you need reliable, fast Internet. Um, and all all that infrastructure is installed kind of through the initial phases and process when we do our due diligence on the property. Yeah, yeah, that's I figured. Um, and, and so, yeah, so tell me, walk me through. I'm interested. I'm talking to you, which I, I could tell that would be a great conversation to, to sit with you and talk about this as an interested prospect. Um, walk me through that first year, right? So you, you go through a process, people are doing due diligence. Um, what happens like there's a usually a launch uh, process and then there's that first 12 months to get people you know into business tell me a little bit about how you approach that first year for 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 success what are the measures of success and what goes into you supporting the franchisee and making sure that they they get it done with the way that you you see it being done Sure. I'll, I'll jump to that, but I want to make sure I double back a little bit. I don't know that I answered sure. your question. You know, to start with really the why, why would any entrepreneur consider getting into this industry, right? Like, because we get a lot of people that are multi-unit franchisees. They've owned dozens of other brands. We get hospitality owners. We get C-level executives. So let me kind of start with what's the draw of why somebody would be considering this this industry. 
The first thing would be is most of our locations operate with one to two employees, right? So if you're coming from a fast casual restaurant, I met, met with a guy that had two Golden Corrals and he had 80 employees per Golden Corral. He had 160 people on payroll seven days a week, you know, $12 buffets, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in food spillage and waste and all the things he had to deal with on a daily basis were just constant nonstop, right? With 160 employees. When he saw this business that was one to two employees, banker hours, Monday to Friday, nine to five, you deal with professionals. It's a fast growing industry. The demand is kind of through the roof. Landlords are willing to negotiate more than ever because there's availability of space. And you get monthly recurring revenue from business professionals, not just, you know, regular consumers buying, you know, a meal every week or two. Um, Those are really the selling points, low employees, Mm -hmm. great hours, high demand. um, And we go into markets where we could be the big fish in a small pond. We're looking for high demand, low competition markets to open our spaces. A lot of our competitors that raise zillions of dollars, they went into the highest and most expensive real estate, the most competitive markets, they paid the most, and they charged the least. And that just doesn't work out as a business model. So again, that's how we get people kind of into the top of the funnel. Um, With United Franchise Group, we're pretty unique in the sense that we do a refundable application fee before somebody gets started with us and they start doing their due diligence and their financing. And then once we approve the market, they sign and move forward with the franchise. And then I have a complete launch team. Uh, My team essentially has written a book. It truly is about 130 pages of A through Z, everything you need to open up a flexible office space. We then took the time to backtrack and create every single one of those steps in the project management tool, Asana. So it is clearly just laid out to the franchisee the day they sign exactly what's going to happen over this time frame and the process. And obviously, if you're doing a big build out like this, there's going to be hiccups inside of there that are out of our control. Uh, But, you know, we have a launch team. We have a setup team. I have a marketing team that's going to help them be very successful. And again, back to kind of my military style, my team and support team has three KPIs. So this whole business to me is boiled down to three things. It's leads, occupancy, and revenue. Mm. Everything else, we have a fourth bucket for projects. And literally, I mean, anything else that does not tie into leads, occupancy, and revenue is just a project, right? So I can help identify any problem, any space that our members, you know, that our owners have with one of those three things. Like their occupancy may be up, but they're not hitting their revenue goal, which means their salesperson is giving the space away, right? They're lowering the price. They need to go back and raise the price. Same thing with hospitality. If you sell out every room every night, you're probably not charging enough, right? You can make more money being 90% occupied, pushing the price up than if you're 100% and you're reducing the price. Uh, And then we look at our marketing vendors and my marketing team. Are we generating enough demand at the space, right? Are they getting enough demand that they can hit their goals? And if they're getting enough demand, who's taking that phone call? Does that person need additional sales training? Are they using HubSpot? Um, are they effectively handling those leads? Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The whole business boils down to those three things, right? I could everything else becomes a sub bullet point off of one of those. If I can, man, that's good. That's a I, clinic. I don't mean to interrupt. I, I I just have to inject that. That is to me that that is just the simplicity of it and the importance of keeping things simple. 
I mean, and and you can help people achieve great results when it can be that clear. That's what I was saying to you earlier about having that clarity, boiling it down that simple. It helps others really focus, right? Isn't that right? I mean, if you're managing people, if I'm managing myself, it's like you remind yourself, why am I going down that rabbit trail? What, what is that a real problem or is this the real problem? And, you know, how do we fix it? But anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to point that out. That if you can distill something down to that level of simplicity, uh, that's that's key. I mean, I, you know, yeah, that's what success. Yeah. I've drilled it into my team's head. If they're calling me and a franchisee has an issue, I'm like, which one is it? Right. What is it? Is it leads, occupancy or revenue? Right. It, it, it has to be one of those things. Is he just complaining about something that's out of our control or, you know, uh, and, you know, sometimes that's the case, but that's uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about you. You, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um but but tell me about the the economics of something like this because I think you know that's a big question for a lot of people and I know most most people are very transparent like you know here's the range uh, of investment here's what you know what it might take and I know that can that's usually published out there for most franchises but could you could you share a little bit about what it would take uh, and what the what the economic gains are what are the potential of something like this what are we talking about. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, you obviously hit it on the head, right? With any franchise or franchisor, we're, we're regulated by the Federal Trade Commission and we can only talk numbers as they're listed. And I'm clicking through here because I'll actually just pull up the FDA to make sure I, get okay. them. I wrote them, um, you know, right to what they are. So the, you know, the, the first question on there is kind of, you know, the cost to get started. And, and we have such a wide range on costs that I usually take the time to help people understand it. So on the office evolution side, you're looking at some player between to get started with an office evolution. One second here. About 390,000 to 1.4 million. Now, inside of that, that's including though, what people I think, you know, don't understand when they see that on franchise websites is what all goes into, let's say the low side of 390. So you have things inside of there that are like working capital, the franchise fee, uh, landlord deposits, non-refundable kind of landlord expenses. So all the things you would have, I, I tell anybody when you buy a franchise, I break it down very simply, right? You're really only paying three fees that you don't have on your own. The franchise fee, royalty, and the marketing fee. Every other cost of starting the business you have on your own. And do you think you're gonna do a better job winging it as a mom and pop or doing it with somebody that's done it 130 times? And then to, you know, so anybody could buy a website and probably as you guys know with marketing, you could, you could throw, you could get on Fiverr, get a logo, get a website. That means nothing. It's like going to LegalZoom and getting an LLC. You don't have a business, you have an LLC, right? Now you have to actually build something and do something with that where you're coming into our ecosystem and it's there. So that's, that's the office evolution side from an investment standpoint. Now, the reason the price could be on the lower side is we have opportunities for second generation spaces where we come in and take over mom and pop spaces, or you may have a smaller space that you can get started with. We do something also very transparent that I don't know that I've ever seen. And I look at a lot of FDDs. We yeah, list yeah. every location's revenue, every single one, all 80 in the FDD. Wow. All the, we, we have how many months they've been open, the square footage, their total 2022 net billings, their 2022 peak occupancy, how many offices they have, and how many total desks they have inside the space. Every single one, all 80 of them. So you could see the difference 
I have a lot of locations in the Denver market. Um, and those numbers range, right? I mean, we have locations, you know, close to, yeah, let me just find one here, $921,000, you know, dollars uh, in revenue in 2022. I have a location on the smaller side that's at 266. So what I tell people, this is still real estate. You can't base what you would charge for a hotel room in Colorado Springs to what the Hampton Inn and Aspen charges, right? right? At the end of the day, still are based on local business modeling. Also, hopefully, your rent on your space would be cheaper in Colorado Springs and it would be in Vail, like, right? Yeah. I mean, although, although it's changing, I got to tell you, I live here and I'm like, hey, it, was, it was a really good place, a great value, right? Now yeah. The pricing yeah, has I mean, been going up. But that, 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 that's everywhere, but generally speaking, right? So, you know, if you yeah. want to go from Tulsa to Manhattan, let, let's, let's take it really out of Colorado. No, Aspen and Vail are way higher. <laughs> And then on the Venture X side, to put that in perspective, um, you're looking from someplace on the low end at about 430000 to $3.3 million on the high end. Because now you're jumping from an average of 10,000 square feet to 22,000 square feet average. Right? So again, you're getting a bigger space, typically a different type of real estate, sliding glass doors, electronic locks. So again, it's a more expensive build out and it's typically on average double the size. And then probably as you could imagine, the typical revenue model in the VentureX is double the average office evolution. Just, I mean, right at specifically about double if you went line item for line item. Wow. So that's, that, that, that's a general kind of overview. Now, as far as, you know, we don't post things like, profit margins or things inside of there, but it's a recurring revenue model, one to two employees, very predictable fixed expenses. You have your rent, utilities, um, you know, lumping in all of your internet and one or two employees. That's, you know, that's pretty much it from the business expense side. Yeah. Do, do you, do you do any real estate transactions? Does anybody want to buy a building or do they ever, is that ever come into play at all? Or is Absolutely. it always rental? Several of my franchisees already own their own building and they're coming to us because they want to put one of the spaces into their building. I have a developer, wow. you know, we're in India, we're in Canada, we're in Costa Rica, and a lot of them own the properties that they have the Venture X or Office Evolution in. Absolutely. Ooh, very cool. Yeah. It seems like a great strategy right now for commercial real estate. I mean, um, fantastic. So, you know, before I let you go, I, I wanted to kind of just take a look into the, the vision here that you have, because I know guys like you have them. <laughs> so it's, it's like, you know, there's this, this short, medium, long-term sort of view of things and, and you got your three, your three KPIs to focus on every day, but there's always also that sort of forward thinking, um, what, what, what's going on? I mean, this space is interesting, right? I mean, commercial real estate, uh, the world's evolving. I mean, where, where is your head right now in terms of growth of, of this of vast and where, where it's going to go? Do you, do you have some details or is this some, or even an aspiration of that you're headed towards? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when we launched in 2015, my goal was to be the third or fourth largest player kind of in the space. And we've grown now to be the fourth largest player in North America, um, so my next goal is obviously that I feel by Q2, Q3 of next year, we'll be the third largest co-working group in the States, period, right? And possibly all of North America. And then, uh, you know, in the next two to three years after that, I feel pretty confident that we'll become the second largest, you know, player in this industry, uh, surpassing, you know, the, the the two people that kind of hold those titles now. 
and then also we will be essentially the only franchisor kind of in the space, right? Which yeah. is really unbelievable, right? I mean, we're obviously yeah. both kind of in the franchise world. If you if you were to just throw a dart at a you know list of businesses and say, well, which one could you become the dominant player in franchising? There's very few left, right? I mean, I kind of joke. I have a friend. You know, a lot of people know like Red Boswell from IFPG. Um, you know, he started a dog poop cleanup franchise. It's like it'd be tough to be the number one in, in you know, dog poop cleanup, right? I mean, like you can go really, really vague and rogue to try to find a concept that you could dominate the industry. Um, yeah. We're just poised right now to be the dominant player in co-working franchise. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's really yeah. crazy. I mean, again, that that sounded pie in the sky when we were saying that in 2015, 2016. Uh, but that's really the position we sit in right now. So short-term goal is to leapfrog and become number three, um, yeah. and you know, domestically. Uh, and then I think pretty close after that, we'll actually be number three globally. Um, because yeah. I already have locations in nine countries. And then, you know, the next goal would be the second largest flexible office space operator in the world. Right. I think yeah. we could do that in 36 to 48 months. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. And I think um I love the model, man. It, you, know, you were saying earlier, you were describing, and I know I've been in franchising a long time too. And one of the ways I got into it, the way I got into it was through uh, franchise consulting, like, you know, marketing franchise models. And um, yeah, so I learned about like, you know, wh- what are you looking at? How do you, how do you help somebody evaluate something? And I love the way you broke it down because it's all the things that matter, like the day-to-day grind of things like you could you could like a starbucks not that that's a franchise by the way but like you could like the business because you like going and hanging out drinking coffee but managing teenagers all day might not be what you really want to do with a business so it's like having that clarity of this is what it means to operate this and we made this for the people that want this kind of lifestyle and i just i love these models they're lean and and you know not I mean, my, my guilty, my guilty breakfast. I don't eat it much as McDonald's. This is not a knock on McDonald's, but I had a mentor, a friend of mine that was a large McDonald's franchisee, very, very large McDonald's franchisee. He would sum it up to you that it was like running a juvenile detention center. You know, man, the once they became twenty four seven, he was like, his goal was just to make sure that one of his employees didn't beat up somebody in the drive through. Somebody in the drive through didn't beat up an employee. Everybody like showered that day. Nobody's drunk or high. He, he was like, it was a 24 seven. He was like, you know, you're part prison guard, you're part. And it's uh, similar to the Golden Corral gentleman. I told you again, nothing wrong with it. It was one of my dad's favorite restaurants in Atlanta. So again, not a knock. Yeah, yeah. These are massive operations. He inherited the Golden Corrals from his family. And then, yeah. you know, he, he had always knew at some point his goal was to kind of get out of that. So, yeah, I think a lot of people come to this business model for those reasons I just said, right? If they're selling, a business that had 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 employees and they're traveling. And, they, and this is a Monday to Friday, Friday, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five. Customers have access 24 seven. You're dealing with professionals. That's it. Yeah. Now, I, I know that I know the beauty of that. Like everything you said, like this little points that matter a lot, like business customers that hey, every month. That's a that statement tells me that's sticky revenue that keeps coming. I just love those little details that. That are huge. Like years later, it's like I can't, I can't keep my uh, revenue stream even um, when you're dealing with consumers or whatever. It, it can be a little harder. So, um, but I love, it. I love all those details. So, how would someone reach out before I let you go 
um, what's the best way to connect? You know, and I know United Franchise Group does other things, but I, I think what you're doing is pretty darn, pretty darn cool. So how would someone get a hold of, of you or, or to, to engage the brand? Uh, a couple of different ways. We do have vastcoworking.com. That gives kind of a summary of both brands. And then as you would imagine, both websites, officeevolution.com and venturex.com, uh, that's from the consumer point. And then each brand has its own franchise site um, that IDS manages. So venturexfranchise.com, uh, officeevolutionfranchise.com. And then just my email is just jason at venturex.com. So I, you know, I'm not. Fancy. I'm writing it down. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not fancy. I don't have like some assistant checking my email. So I, you know, I, I read kind of anything that comes to me. So I don't, I don't mind putting that out there if anybody had a comment, question or concern. So that's great, man. That's great. I I, pre- I always say guys like you, man, it would be a huge opportunity just to spend a little time with you because you know your stuff and you know the broad world of franchising. So I encourage everybody to take the time and, and, you know, and take, take them up on that offer. Um, but you, know, you said something earlier before I let you go, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know you're a guy, you had some mentors, you've done a lot of cool things. Is there anything that you find yourself and maybe as your kids get older, what have you, but is there a key principle that you really find has guided you? I know you distill things into simple things. So is there something that really matters to you? Is there any key tip you would leave with anyone that's looking to get into business or looking to to get better at what they're doing? Uh, What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I guess one of them would be, you know, it's kind of the fish out of water theory, right? I think a lot of people, you know, put themselves into things that they have no natural inclination for, right? Which, Which leads to low energy, low involvement, low engagement. You're just doing something you don't like every single day. So it took me probably, you know, deep into my my 20s, which is probably luckily younger than most people figure it out, start doing personality tests and profiling. And, you know, I joined the service at 17 and they made me an electrical engineer. And I had no reason why. I had no idea why, you know, I took some random test and the Air Force said, hey, you should be an electrical engineer until I did personality profilings and hired a life coach. And, you know, my personality profile was an engineer, architect or believe it or not, franchisor, right? So an ENTP, if you just Google ENTP careers, one of the top careers is a franchisor. And so once I understood that I could leverage my basic instincts for development, things just started to click. So I, I tell wow. people, you know, don't be a fish out of water. Try to figure out, you know, the industries or the business types or the things that you're naturally inclined to and improve upon that, right? Try to find friends, families, or business members that, you know, have your weaknesses. I definitely have a lot of weaknesses, but I, you know, I feel like I've really owned in on my wow. strength. Yeah. That's, that's really the bottom line of that. So. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people, that last part, the fish out of water is a great thing to think of. Totally agree with that. And you need to be highly motivated to be in business, but usually for, for the lucky ones, it's the, what your advice was. If, if you like what you're doing or you're highly motivated, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. So um, that's the key, man. I appreciate you sharing that and taking the extra time. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, again, uh, I encourage the audience to take a look and and uh, and check out what these guys are doing. It's it's amazing, amazing stuff. So, Jason, thanks again for being on the show and sharing your insights. All right. Thanks again. Got it. And to our listeners, stay tuned for more enlightening conversations on Franchise Marketing Radio. Mm-hmm.